0: Pick 6 Podcast, Tuesday edition, Will Brinson, Jason Lock and Fora joining me. We're going to break down six topics, as we do. We're going daily now. If nothing can go wrong with this format. We hope you like it so far. It's perfect for your commute. 30 minutes, five minutes each topic. I will try Oh. It. Yeah, see so how it's so pick, pick six. Six.
1: Yeah. 6. 6 times 5. So now there's actually a meaning to the title, or was there previously a meaning that I just wasn't aware of?
0: We accidentally stumbled into meaning for the title, Jason. That's how That's,
1: that's how it worked. Because there was neither six of us, nor six topics. Nor any nor picks. six days a week. We made picks. Or any iteration of six that I can think of when we started this thing.
0: That's right. We basically picked a term. Random football term. Random football term. And then preferably one that didn't apply at all. And now we've sort of backed our way into it. And the goal now is to make this so... Every and, and in fact, we want this. It's gonna be posted at 6 a.m. every day. Seriously? Yeah. So that's, that's so that's it. Actually, it actually has six topics posted at 6 a.m. Um. Now, naturally, the the first episode that we did yesterday. Uh, with myself and Ryan Wilson, I thought we had six topics, but I only did five topics and didn't realize.
1: <laughs> when did you figure that out? When was that determination? This, uh,
0: this morning, after it was posted at 8 a.m.
1: Someone called from the accounting department and said, you realize there were only five no, topics. No,
0: Not yeah. Three. Eric K., our boss and, and, and frequent listener, was like, hey, can you send me this uh, a write-up of the six topics you did? I want to get something up on the site. There'll be posts for each if for each podcast that go up. And I was like, "Yeah," and I sent it to him. And I was like, "What the hell was the sixth thing we talked about?" And then I realized that we actually did five topics for six minutes, so still kind uh, of works.
1: Well, that's still that should be acceptable. I think so.
0: Um, and like you look, it's tough. Like we're two minutes in, so we'll probably hit the thirty-two minute mark, even if we do our six topics. But the goal is to, um, eventually later on this week, I'm gonna get some sort of, um, sound bites where I can go. You know, like make a ding noise when five minutes is up to make gotcha. it. Gotcha. Uh, but for now, it's just me saying ding loudly once. Um, and you can say it if you think the, if you think we've hit a the a, a wrap point on a, on a piece of conversation. It's 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 an interactive podcast. It's your podcast too. If you want to say ding, it doesn't
1: have to be at five minutes. Or I can just guess when I think it's five minutes.
0: Yeah, like if you think that the conversation is stagnated and you want to ding yeah. it, ding it away. And um, gotcha. there's a there's a greater than fifty percent chance that my. I'm recording this from my parents' house. My son is out playing with my mom, uh, parading around the farm with with two dogs. Better than 50% chance that within the next, I eh, don't know, 30 minutes, that uh, he comes storming in here covered in mud and, and ruins be the whole. Tears potty. or something, yeah. Uh, probably just yeah, it's tears of joy. I mean, he's, he's having a good time out there. They got some boats okay. sailing them in the creek. Um, let's it sail. Yeah, really. Uh, let's dive into topic number one. The Giants, the New York football Giants have the number two overall pick and they have spent the better part of a month pointing out how great, how important it is. Dave Gettleman said this at the owners meetings in Orlando. You gotta have a future Hall of Famer when you, when, with that number two pick or you gotta picture that number two pick putting on a gold jacket. You gotta see him in relation to any other draft, the number two pick and you can't force a quarterback. He's been jamming down, jamming the idea of taking, uh, one of three guys, I think. Either Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, or as you wrote in your excellent column on CBS Saquon Barkley, do you think that this is all a bluff by the Giants to try and trade down?
1: Not if it's entirely a bluff to try to trade down, but talk to a bunch of GMs over the probably three or four GMs over the last three or four days before I sat down to write last night. And um there's a lot of people wondering if they sort of doff protest too much mm. and that if if a lot of this um sort of stance as a smokescreen one way or the other one to just have everybody convinced they're in love with Barkley or, or, you know, who, whatever other non quarterback position player at two, to, to make you think you've got to really shake them off that, or maybe it's all smokescreen and they really are taking your quarterback. Um, but I believe there's potential that they trade out of, out of two. I don't think he wants to drop back down. And um, in the back half of the first round, but I think Dave Gettleman's perfect uh you know draft morning scenario would involve him moving back to say five and maybe doing business with his buddy Brandon Bean to get there because Bean's gonna have to move up at least once Ooh. from twelve if he wants to get any sort of um, pick of one of the top four quarterbacks and at five, you know you could conceivably have four quarterbacks going in front of you or at least three, in which case, even if John Dorsey of the Browns stays at four, if it goes quarterback, 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 whichever between Chubb and Barkley, whichever one that Dorsey doesn't take, Gettleman could take. And and there's an outside chance he could have his pick of both of them, which would have been the same scenario that he would have had it too, but he picks up a bunch of assets along the way. Uh, The Giants give off mixed vibes between – What I think a lot of people in the football world would say is their reality, which is a whole lot closer to rebuilding than competing. And then there's also the Ogletree trade and sticking with Eli and enough moves to make you think that they think they're close. But I can't imagine in their football operations, Will, they really think that they're one player away, even if that player is Saquon Barkley and he is the, you know, supposed to just put him in the hall tomorrow, sure thing, can't miss, get him fitted for his jacket. You know, even then, are, are the Giants even winning their own division? Much less really winning games in January. So they're, they're to me, one of the more intriguing teams over the the, the the coming month, and I think they're a whole lot more open to trading down than they'll probably let on.
0: The the thing is, and you're right; I mean, they have to be open to trading down if they're not taking a quarterback. Like, if if you're if you're Dave Gettleman and you think there's one quarterback in this draft, and that's fine. I mean, it's it's fine to think that you don't have to be Mike McCagnon and we'll get to the Jets in a minute, but you don't have to believe that the, that there are three or four quarterbacks in this draft and you're fine at number three. If you're Dave Gettleman and, you know, you want to go away from a quarterback position and pick up a blue chip player, you need to be open to trading down. The, the one thing that I keep thinking about is how he never traded down or traded up when he was with the Panthers. He always just sat in that spot wherever he was and he would, he would pick the guy that, that came to him, whether it was Kelvin Benjamin, um, Christian McCaffrey, you know he just he just didn't he didn't he didn't seem inclined to move. He likes to sort of set his board and stay there. And I, I think that he, you know, I, I like the five idea, but how? So how does he? Are you are you imagining some scenario where the Broncos trade down with well, the Bills if and then not
1: taking a quarterback and someone else is trading there to take a quarterback? Wherever you move, even if it's as far back as twelve, a you would make. You would make Dean play, pay an incredibly steep price and, and he's kind of over a rock. So yeah. he will. And then if you, let's say that you're at 12, but five quarterbacks go before you, you know, you're at seven and you were never getting, you know, at seven, you weren't getting Barkley or Chubb anyway. So you're really, you know what I mean? You're really at five. Right. So you're, you're passing on maybe five other talents that you could have had, you know, at five that now you're sitting there at, at, seven, or I'm sorry, at 12, say, with, with still with a shot to land. I I don't know that I'd say it's likely, but I, I someone's going to extract a heavy, heavy price out of the Bills, and it's maybe two teams. Maybe they get the five, and somebody else trades the four for a quarterback, and they're worried that five isn't good enough. Mm. And maybe that's where they have to be like, well, let's just get the two. Sort of like Howie Roseman, you know, he went up a couple of times for Wentz. I guess this would be three in all under that scenario, because they've already gone up once, but maybe they do get from 12 to two. I just don't see them going all the way back to 12. But, you know, would Denver go from five to 12? Um, if if Denver's not taking a quarterback, then does, does Bean just move up a, a few more spots anyway to, to try to make sure, you know, he's got a shot to get the fourth one. Buffalo's not done. I know that much. And GMs I talk to or who have talked to the Bills are convinced that, they're not close to done, and they've got at least one more trade in them. And I think John Dorsey has one more trade in him for sure. And maybe that, you know, I don't think Dorsey wants to go all the way back to 12. But, again, every everything has its price, and the bills, I believe, are ready to pay an extreme price.
0: And, and if you're Dorsey, you want to sit at 4, you want to get Chubb or Barkley, uh, I get that. But if you can move from 4 to 12 and get 12, 22, um, let's say – I don't know. Get get back the what they give up sixty five for Tyrod no, Taylor. They have
1: the Bills have at least two picks in the second. Yeah, round. get get it's back there. a second
0: rounder then maybe a future first. I mean, is that too? Is that asking too much for that?
1: I, I mean, I think I, I don't think when it's quarterbacks, I, I, nothing matters, right? Yeah. If this is the Buffalo Bills who have made, I mean, don't just look at the, just look at the Marcel Derry. Don't look at the most recent trade. Go go all the way back to everything they've done since they have got there, and. All the various roster purges and, and moves they've made and trades they've made, Sammy Watkins, everything else, they've been loading this up for a while. Um, you know, Darby, I mean, that, that's to get a, and not just to get a guy who threw the ball, you know, fairly well in college. It, you'd like to have your pick of a guy, you know what I mean? You'd, yeah. you'd like to. If you're not getting your guy, you're at least getting the guy you think is closest to your guy. It's not just to be in position for the fourth or fifth quarterback off the board. Now, maybe your guy falls to you, but there's a lot of variables at play there, and they didn't do all this to be in a passive position. They did all this to, in draft day, be in a position of of certainty, and they're not close to that yet.
0: Well, one of the guys that they could take, ding, could be Josh Rosen. Jim Mora. what, What the hell is Jim Mora doing twice? This, is, this guy, this guy's, I get that it's, I get that it's the Easter season, but this guy is doing a spot on Judas suppression with his former quarterback. I mean, he's twice he's denied him now. First he goes on NFL Network's, uh, total access. No, first he went on path to the draft with Daniel Jeremiah and that crew and sort of gave a, a, a lukewarm, um, you know, uh, you know, endorsement of Josh Rosen, then he goes on total access, reinforces it, and then Peter King follows up with him for, for the MMQB.com, and, and he, he calls him a millennial who needs to be intellectually challenged. I, this is, I've never seen a, you know, Brian Kelly did this with Deshaun Kaiser sort of last year, saying he wasn't ready. Pete Carroll's done it with Mark Sanchez, saying he wasn't ready, but I have never seen, uh, a coach do what Jim Moore is doing to Josh Rosen.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm, I sort of have a couple different, reactions to this. I talked to Coach Moore for a while. It's probably two months ago. Just shooting the bull about Rosen. It was actually, it was before UCLA even, UCLA even played the bowl game. I know he thinks the world of this kid. I know his daughter has spent a lot of time around this kid. I know this kid has been over his house a ton. Um, that, that he he believes strongly that he could be the best quarterback in this draft. And that he's got the ability to be special and that the kid could do a lot of things beyond just playing quarterback as well to help his community along the way. Hmm. Now, I don't know that Cleveland it, – it, it, I think Coach Moore is walking a fine line between trying to say everything he wants to say, but also not disparaging an NFL coach currently. Um, yeah. On the sidelines, or trying not to disparage an organization too much as in but I, I would infer just sort of from what I heard a while back, and then looking at these comments that he may not think Hugh Jackson is the guy to be entrusted with this gym, and I think a lot of what he's saying, and this is me reading between the lines here, has a lot more to do with the state of that coaching staff. And even if the Browns are successful, how long is Hugh Jackson for there? And how what did how does Hugh Jackson treat Kaiser? And how did Hugh Jackson treat Kessler? And what quarterback has he put in position to succeed since he got there? Including RG3. So I think it has a whole lot more to do with, you know what? Like, I know my kid, and I know what he sort of is wired for and what he's not wired for. Mm. And reading right between the lines here, I don't think he suffer fools. And I don't think he's going to buy a lot of BS mumbo-jumbo if that's what's going on here. And rather than him clashing with a coach who's probably got one foot out the door anyway, you know, I think he'd be a whole lot better with the Jets. I think he'd be a whole lot better with the Giants. And New York's not too big for him. And Pat Shermer's done a hell of a job with quarterbacks sometime recently. And I think he'd be a fit in Jeremy Bates' scheme and hanging out with Josh McCowan who could probably tell him stories about Hugh Jackson and what the hell was going on in Cleveland two years ago. I think it's got a whole lot more to do with that. And I, 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 I think if you're of a discerning eye and ear, that might be how you're looking at it. But if, you know, you're sort of just coming at it as most people would, which is, well, geez, we live in this culture where this coach is just expected to blow smoke up everybody's butt and tell, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and just kind of say and do the right thing. I think it's got a whole lot more to do with that situation than it does, you know, Josh Rosen individually. If yeah. that makes sense,
0: yeah. So, I mean, and, and King mentioned this too. He said it sounded like Mora. This is King writing. It sounded like Mora thinks Rosen would be well served to be pushed by quarterback mentors like Shermer or Jeremy Bates, and to learn for a year or so from Eli or Josh, you know, Eli Manning or Josh McCown. Um Not. Re- it is interesting though because so you you think that Jim Mora is. Essentially, doing Josh Rosen a favor by steering him away yep. from a situation in which Rosen yep. wouldn't be happy,
1: where it probably is you know where it might not be best for the kid. Regardless, now I, I think John Dorsey is now there to put a good team around him. But I mean, the bottom line is Hugh Jackson's won one of his last thirty-one games, and the schemes have been weird, and the game plans have been strange. And the quarterbacks have gotten mauled, even behind
0: treated like young
1: Improved offensive line, and is he even if they go six and ten and are much improved, is he really going to be there in twenty nineteen? You know what I mean? Like, is that no? Is <laughs> that really going to be when John Dorsey gets you know builds up more cachet with the owner? Are they really going to look at Hugh Jackson as the guy to shepherd this all these bright young things into the future? So, you know what I mean that. I, I think in his own way, Moore is kind of hoping it doesn't turn out that way for, you know, out of, out of sort of his endearment for Rosen and not wanting him to be in that position.
0: And maybe sort of a bit of, he can play it both ways in this scenario where he's not only honest about the kid. uh He looks like an honest, by the way, he looks, it looks like he's coming across as an honest NFL analyst by doing it too. Yeah, And he can steer him away from, from Cleveland in a situation that has not, been typically kind to quarterbacks. So, ding, uh, what is John Dorsey thinking right now with one and four? We sort of covered this a little bit, but I got it listed on the topics, and I'm going to squeeze six in for this podcast. Yeah. Um, what do, what, where do you think John Dorsey's head's at?
1: I think he takes a quarterback one. I, I, I couldn't tell you which one. I would maybe guess Sam Darnold. That's a guess. Um, we're still a ways out, and, and I'll know a whole lot more at the end of this month than I do at the start of it, but I think he takes a quarterback and then starts assessing trade scenarios and some of those will have already been talked about previously. But until guys, once you get the draft day, until people actually come off the board, you know, there's trepidation to to go ahead and make a trade. And then I, I think there'll be a high price on that fourth pick. And if somebody's willing to go off the grid to get their quarterback there, then I think Dorsey, you know, is is willing to make a move. Otherwise, if Chubb's there, I think he's he pounces, um, and I I I think he would take Chubb before Barkley. That's just my mm. personal read on the situation. Like if i I had this conversation with a GM, and we were kind of hashing it through. Like if I'm John Dorsey, and I just took Kareem Hunt last year, yes. and I saw what Alvin Kamara did, and I'm looking at this draft, and after Chubb, even in the first round, the pass rushing options drop off immensely, and on the second and third day, forget about it. You're throwing, you're, you're you know. You're throwing darts at a board and praying that that something sticks, where there still will be running backs who play in the league for a long time and and probably go to multiple Pro Bowls who are going to be taken on the second day. I just don't know why you go running back there. If I'm John Dorsey, I go – and I even had this conversation with a member of the Steelers staff, and he agreed. I take the pass rusher, and I go get Le'Veon Bell next year. I add spice to that rivalry. The Steelers can't franchise him three days. They're not going to get a long-term deal with him done in all likelihood. You have Jim Brown there to mentor him. I go overspend for a running back next year. And, and, and what, you you get – you sign Bottle a five-year deal that's really a three-year deal. And you probably get two more really highly productive seasons out of him. And I'll go get a running back that way. And I'll draft one in the mid-rounds. And if that guy really works out, then I don't need Le'Veon Bell. But, like, let me do that. You yeah. look at all the money McKinnon and these guys got. Well, just go get the real thing. And – What's I mean, sixteen million a year to, to Jimmy have? Like what's the difference? They, they they haven't been able to get people to take their money for two years. I mean
0: and, and you're talking about a team that is in all likelihood going to have a quarterback that they are putting their faith in for the next half decade on a cheap Who doesn't game. make any
1: money for five years?
0: Yeah, exactly. And then man, would you start talking about you no, know, they got they gotta work on the um the interior of the defensive line, I like Larry, uh, Larry O, the big, uh, defensive tackle out of Charlotte. I think he's, I think he can grow into something special. But if you have Miles Garrett, Bradley Chubb, and Emmanuel Agba, and then you throw in Carl Nassib there too, Nate Orchard as well, rushing the passer. I mean, that's a, that's a nice little starter kit for, for Greg Williams to put some pressure on quarterbacks.
1: You're four years away from having to pay any of them, you know, crazy money. I yeah. mean, you'd have them both cheap for four years. So go um, pay the running back, and by the time he's off your books two years from now, you take that money and it goes towards one of the, you know, it goes towards the extension um, for Garrett. I, I, I just, I think that's the route he goes.
0: All right. Ding, who is your, because we got, this is, people are hearing this after the NCAA tournament is concluded, One Shining Moment is played. Uh, but we had Loyola Chicago hanging around. I got one more shot to do a. An NFL Cinderella right now as you look at the season and the Cleveland Browns could qualify here. Who would be your NFL Cinderella story for the 2018 season if you had to pick one early?
1: Uh, I have a, I mean, I don't know if this qualifies or not, but I have, a, and we, you, you and I were on this. I wasn't on them to the degree you were a year ago, but I, I, I did sort of fancy them. I like the Chargers. Mm, it just yeah. not that they've had this, you know, Huge off season or anything. It's been but consistent. I just look at the rest of their division and I look at the AFC on the whole. And if there's a team that I think people don't really talk about or, or take seriously, you know, there's this hype for Houston that, you know, everybody's just going to come back and get healthy and they'll have the pixie dust and maybe they will. Um, but, you know, is Deshaun Watson going to get hurt again? And we don't know that. And, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. I, we'll, we'll see. JJ Watt. Multiple back injuries. It's been multiple years. You know, we'll see. Uh, nobody in the North, other than Pittsburgh, is any good yeah. in terms of playoff caliber. New England obviously seems to be nearing the end of the road. Um, you know, whoever wins the South, I, again, I just I don't think Jacksonville is, with Blake Bortles is going to catch lightning in a bottle two years in a row. I and then out west, I mean. Alex Smith, I'm not a big Alex Smith guy, but he played at an MVP level last year. I dare say Pat Mahomes won't as a rookie. <laughs> John Gruden, some funky stuff going on out there, man. Um, we'll see. I I I I think there'll be some um kinks to work out. Speed there.
0: bumps, per se.
1: Yeah, and I don't buy I mean, who's buying really Denver? I mean, case Keenum's going to turn around everything in Denver. I I'm, I'm just not buying it. I feel like the Chargers have a shot. They're used to playing in that soccer stadium now. You know, they're they're I think they're a lot more accustomed. The move is out of the way. The first year after a move is always daunting. They got a limited window here. I'd really like to see him go out and do something like go get an Odell Beckham and try to put yourself over the top. I don't think they will. I haven't heard them connected to him. Um but if you're competing with the Rams and the Rams are making move after move after move, something like that I think. Not that receiver's are the biggest need in the world, but you put him with the group they have there already and, and you start talking about um, that with those pass rushers, you know, it's like some of those Saints teams from four, five, six years ago. You, you get up early, let them cut it loose and find yourself winning a bunch of football games.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. I, I had, um, I was all, I did a hit on time to shine with, uh, Adam Shine on CBS Sports Network. so I stole the question from him is what I'm getting at, but I said the Bears and that was really more of a, I'm looking for a, a very, a, a real, a team way down the list, but I think the Chargers qualified because if, and the two things you mentioned, the, the, the move is over. Remember the Rams benefited greatly in their second year. Of course they had a, a new head coach. I think the Chargers are going to benefit in a big way from not dealing with the move. Like you said, getting used to that stadium and they lost three or four games in the first month and a half of the season, either because Anthony Lynn was a new coach who was making rookie yeah. head coach mistakes or because they were just devastated by having to play in this new city with opponent, opposing fans. You know, cheering for their for their team, and, and so I, I don't think they'll have bigger crowds or anything, but I think that the familiarity will be there this year, and th- th- that offensive line could quietly be a top five offensive line in the league after adding uh, Pouncy at, at center. So I, I'm with you on the Chargers, but my love for them uh, is is not new. I think the Browns could qualify too. I mean, if if,
1: if I think the, look, I think the Browns could could finish as the second best team in that division. If, they could win eight really games. Would, it, it wouldn't astonish me. I'm not big on the Ravens or the Bengals. Yeah, and I think the Browns could. I, I'm a Tyrod guy. I think I, I think he'll be just what the the doctor ordered in terms of giving that defense enough support to make them really think they can win some of these close games. Um, the schedule, how, I mean, I, I, it hasn't come out yet, but how daunting could it could it be? they were the worst team in the league again. There's nowhere to go but up. I, I think they could win. Six seven games next year. That's a, it's a, I don't know that anybody besides Pittsburgh finishes over five hundred in
0: that division. I, I tend to agree with you. You mentioned ding. Yeah. New England is sort of having some troubles. What are you hearing, Jason Lockenfora at Jason Lockenfora on Twitter? Uh, what are you hearing about Gronk retiring and or Gronk yeah. being traded? Are you buying any of this no. chatter? No, it's for it's a money grab, right?
1: He's gonna he's gonna eventually be the highest paid tight end in the league, and that's gonna happen in New England and and not elsewhere via trade. I don't believe, um, and and this will have its way of playing itself out in a long, you know, a long offseason. Um, but this sort of daily minutiae of this guy really thinks that allegedly <laughs> sources say, no, this guy really thinks that allegedly sources. I'm just I'm not not going down that rabbit hole, and and I'm not frankly sure that a whole lot of what's out there is grounded in in truth anyway. I can tell you Belichick is not confiding in a whole lot of reporters about what, you know what I mean, about what he really thinks, you know, the machinations of his team are going to be. And with Gronk, I mean, it's been the same thing for me since, you know, the midpoint of last season when he was showing he was healthy again. He's, he's, He's been a freak of nature. He's been a value play. He's not going to be a value play anymore. The last extension they did was at a time he was hurt. It was, you know, a market long bygone, and he's outperformed it. And they know it, and he knows it. And, you know, at some point I would expect Bob Kraft comes at Rob Gronkowski in a way that, um, you know, puts all the chips on the table and they work something out. But in the meantime, in the middle of, you know, late March going into April, I'm just not – I just – I don't have it in me to gasp and ooh and ah. You know what I mean? Over There's every report about what this guy's dreaming about at night or thinking about or having nightmares about or, you know, whatever uh, grudges they're privately harboring. I, I, I don't, I don't, I take a lot of that with
0: a grain of salt. Yeah, and the whole, the report too is that he's, he wants to tie himself to Tom Brady and wrap it up with Tom Brady. Yeah, no bleep. I mean, like, that's sort of the, I mean, of course he's going to tie himself to Tom Brady. You lock up. What you, what you want to do if you're Gronk is you want to go to the Patriot and say, Hey, look, I would like to get two years, highest paid tight end of the league fully guarantee those 2 years and then we'll figure it out after that. I'll play with Tom. I do I do think that Gronk is going to walk away from football and go do other stuff um sooner rather than later. I don't think he's going to hang around and play once Tom Brady leaves. That he's not going to you know, he doesn't need to chase a ring. He doesn't need to chase money. He likes doing other stuff and I I could see how Gronk could get tired of the Patriot way, but to act like he's going to demand a trade out of New England when he plays for Brady and he's comfortable there and he likes his teammates and he likes the chance to win a Super Bowl every year. That's, that's crazy talk. And to act like the Patriots are just going to cast him aside or trade him to the Raiders, um, in the middle of, hi buddy, did you have fun? All right. Let me, daddy, finish with Mr. Jason. Um, I told you, what did I say? 30 minutes. Yeah, we're right at, yeah, right at the, stuff. yeah, right on time. Um, but I, to, to act like he like to act like the patriots are going to cast him aside and ruin their chances of the super bowl is also crazy talk so i i i'm with you i don't see either of those happening ding what about the panthers the panthers are going to get sold at some point in the near future and are you hearing anything as to who might buy them and or the cost associated with the carolina panthers
1: yeah i mean the, the most recent thing i heard is not to discount you know navarro the the sort of local um charleston guy Yeah, the 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 local hat in the ring there, and you know Tepper, the minority owner of the Steelers, just isn't going to budge. You know, he's not going above his evaluation, which I'm told is slightly over two billion.
0: (laughs) Still a large number. Unless they
1: come to him, he's not going to them. So I would effectively think if 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 these other bids are legitimate, that that I'm told he doesn't think he's getting them at this point, and, and he's not going to keep um upping the ante. So you've got the, you know, the, what, this Canadian, the, the,
0: Alan Kestenbaum, guy, who's a Canadian yeah, steel billionaire. Who they've
1: been, yeah, sort of parading around. You've got the local bid. This is interesting though, because ultimately Jerry Richardson will have a say in this. And while he has to placate his minority owners from a fiduciary standpoint, he can be difficult to deal with. <laughs> he could, you know, he may, he may want to sell it to one guy and not another. Um, and the problem with these other two groups is they're just not as liquid as Tepper to where they could stroke a check for two and a half billion dollars, like literally, you know, write that check and not have any issues funding the team, you know, not have any debt service issues. I mean, really, Tepper could cut a check for two billion dollars and really have it not affect his life one way or the other. These other groups are involved with conglomerates. It's minority owners. They don't have that kind of liquidity. So that, that you know, adds some layers to the process, but the league's going to have to figure this out in the next couple of weeks. If they truly think this is coming to a vote in May, then by the middle of April, they've got to be, you know, basically down to the, the final bid and getting all their ducks in a row. Um, but ad- anybody who's reached this point, I would imagine, has, has more or less been vetted. There wouldn't be concerns about them, you know, getting approval, but it's going to be more about which direction does Jerry Richardson want to go, and, you know, who knows? I mean I had somebody with the with the Panthers say, "Well, what if Mr. Richardson just decides nobody's met his price so he just wants to wait?" And I was like, hey. "Well, that's when you might get a call from the legal department of the NFL saying, you know that investigation we've been working on or maybe not working on or probably working on regarding sort of. everything you did yeah. there. Boy, it would really stink if that all, you know, what we found out so far all got leaked, you know, and you know, I mean it just it'd be, it would be interesting to see if things get like nuclear. And, you know, because the league clearly wants to get this wrapped up. They want to get put the the Richardson scandal behind them. They want to get new ownership in place, and they want to get their price. I'm not sure they'll be able to check all those boxes as quickly as they want. Um, but if this is going to be done in May, they need to be locked in on an owner in the next two weeks.
0: So to make a, a house sale comparison, I guess David Tepper is like that guy. It was like the couple you're trying you're trying to sell your house, and you would. Obviously rather deal with someone who doesn't have to, they don't have a contingency of selling their house, right? Tepper's a guy, Tepper's a guy who comes along, he, he's been renting, he's got cash in hand, you could flip it overnight, but he's not willing to pursue, so maybe the Panthers in the league, if they're willing to push the Panthers, are willing to take a, you know, a little bit less, I mean, look, if they get, if you get 2.2 and you get a guy who's already an NFL minority owner, just has to deal with selling his Steelers, you uh, know, shares or selling his, his, his Whatever, investment of in the Steelers. Um, I mean, that's a, to me, that's a pretty big plus. I get that you want to get to, to two five or, or two five, 2.5 billion or higher, but to, to minim, to mitigate the risk and to mitigate that debt financing, to me, that's, that would be worth a lot to find the league. And, and there's an interesting point about the Panthers, um, Richardson sort of maybe having cold feet. This is, yeah, you know, this is his baby. And I would not be surprised at all if he sort of, potentially tried to walk something back and, and, and got into a little tete-a-tete with the league on that front.
1: Yeah, I mean, who, who knows? We're obviously speculating yeah. here, and, and maybe things just go totally, you know, completely smoothly and everything else. But, yeah, I mean, Tepper, he would he would come to the closing, to expand your metaphor, with cash. Mm. Like, you wouldn't need to really mm. have um, a notary there or a whole lot of pa- – like, you know, you still have some papers to sign but yeah, there'd be like literally no financing. It's like, I'm going to pay you in cash and you don't have to wait, you know, for this to be wired to your bank and get the funds in a week. Like, no, here you go. I'm going to put it in your wallet. Godspeed. That's,
0: that's, that's how you like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get a bonus question out of you, Jason, before I let you go. If you had $2.5 billion in liquid cash, what is the first thing you would buy? I have a, um, I have an idea that it would be a sports team.
1: No, I don't. I don't know that I would really want I, I, You wouldn't
0: buy the Orioles? I feel like you would definitely buy the Orioles.
1: No, nah, I don't know. I really don't I don't know if I I, I don't know if I have that in me.
0: Another Peloton? I, I,
1: it would just be too <laughs> it would be like There's enough angst as it is like if you really did have it. Like I, honestly, I really don't want that much money. If you had 2.5 billion, you 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 need for nothing. Like I'd like True. to think I was like Bill Gates and just sprinkling it all over the place, but like I would like to have enough money to buy like a like to get Baltimore like a an MLS team or like a USL team, really? probably more even like USL, which is like a level below that, and just have something cool like that where it's real fan, family friendly and people love it. And if you win, you know that's awesome. But if you lose, it's not like it's the end of the world. Hopefully, you're developing players and stuff. So that be, would be. So cool. you'd be like a Major you... League Baseball. I think I would have a hard. Like I would. I would put my head through a wall. You know what I mean? It would, yeah. I would. I would lose my stuff. I would not be a good owner.
0: <laughs> you'd be fun. You'd be a fun owner to follow on Twitter if you're an Orioles fan. I'll tell you. Oh I my god! Yeah, <laughs> if you firing
1: people in the third inning.
0: What, wait, wait, I, 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 one more question, as it relates to the Orioles and my fantasy team. Before we get out here, what would you do if you owned the Orioles with Kevin Gossman? I'd never let him pitch in April if I
1: owned the Orioles. Well, yeah, I, you start his season in mid-June. Yeah, yeah. I, he, he's. He's got great stuff I, I don't know how well he thinks the game. I don't know that he, he he hones in and concentrates like you need to. I've never seen a kid with that kind of stuff in which should be his prime give up more home runs on o2 counts. I mean he just does stuff that makes you think. you wonder if he's zoning out I mean unless here's what I would do if I'm you I if he's if, if he's starting a game, and Caleb Joseph is not in the starting lineup as the catcher, mm. I would not. I would bench Kevin Gossman. Ooh, that's fascinating. Especially now with a rookie, Chance Sisko, who's not necessarily a great – he's not there for his defense yeah. or his you know, framing or his ability to call a game because he's only done it like twice in the major leagues. Gossman needs somebody else to be his brain, and if mm. that brain isn't there, Godspeed, because the arm alone ain't going to get it done.
0: That's right. You got it right here. We got six topics plus Orioles fantasy chatter. Uh, Jason Locomfora at Jason Locomfora on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at pick six pod. As we mentioned at the top of the show, new format daily, 30 minutes, six topics. It's much faster. Maybe it's much uh, more digestible. Subscribe on iTunes if you like it, hate it. Uh, Sully in Boston. Godspeed, buddy. Sorry you had to leave. Um, know you later. Uh, you can tweet at us at Pick Six Pod or at Will Brinson or at Jason Lock and Four if you'd like to show. Thanks, buddy.
1: Hey, my pleasure, man. Talk to you soon.